Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ortiz, and today we'll be talking to Evelyn Marcus, who's the creator of Never Again. Is now we're going to be talking about the films Beauty and the Beast, Before I Fall, and Kong Skull Island. We're also going to be talking about the event Kids Choice Awards. But right now we're going to start off with talking about Evelyn Marcus, who's the creator of the film Never Get Us Now. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jerry. So, for people who don't know, can you tell us about your film Never Get Us Now? Never Again Is Now is a film about um, the personal story of my parents during the Holocaust in uh, Holland, in Europe, and how they survived it, and how the Americans liberated them. And um, it's also the personal story about of, of me and my partner Rosa. Um, we fled and current anti-Semitism in Europe, um, which, which surged again as of 2000, um, and we didn't trust the future for Jews in Europe, so we left 10 years ago and emigrated to the United States, and that story is told also in that documentary. Now, what inspired you to make a film not only about what's going on in Europe today, but also what happened to your parents almost 60, 70 years ago? What inspired you to make that film? Um, what inspired me is... Um, the disgrace um, for Europe that, um, you know, six million Jews were, were killed in Europe during the Holocaust. My parents were the lucky ones, uh, the fortunate ones who survived. Um, but they always told me that I would never witness uh, something like that um, happening in my lifetime. And thank goodness I haven't, but I have seen signs of uh, that go in the wrong direction, and I never expected that. So, because the Holocaust should never happen again, I was inspired by the fact that anti-Semitism was rising again in 2000 in Europe, and um, that Jews don't feel safe anymore in Europe. Um, 75% of the Jews currently in Europe, report in, in a survey that they don't feel safe anymore. And one in three Jews <clears throat> considers to emigrate from Europe. So that's a disgrace after 70 years or 72 years after the Holocaust. And what's the sad thing is your film take, tells about what's been going on the last 17 years. But now, very recently, the same thing is starting to happen in the United States. What do you think of that? Um, yes, that's that's very worrying. Um, Anti-Semitism is on the rise worldwide. There was um, last September there was a, a United Nations uh, conference dedicated to that, um, and and it, and and it 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 was um, the conclusion was that we have to be worried about the worldwide rise of anti-Semitism and who think that would rise in the United States, but it is. So it's it's very alarming. Um, and we should investigate it really well. It's it's we know that the number of reported incidents um, are rising, but we don't know exactly yet who are doing it and we should look into that very carefully. I definitely agree. I do want to talk about one scene in particular in the film. When you go back to your hometown, Amsterdam, after leaving it for the U.S., what was it like returning to Europe after fleeing Europe? What was that feeling like? It's, um, you know, it always um, is wonderful to go home. You know, I lived for 45 years in Holland, the first 45 years of my life. Um, but then... I'm always 
happy, and the same counts for Rosa, my partner. We're always happy to be on our way back to the United States as well, because um, it's you feel the in Europe there is a lot of tension these days towards the Jews, towards Muslims. Um, there, there is a lot of tension between cultural groups. Um, it's, it's actually the the Jews suffer most anti-Semitism from Muslims and and from the left, and uh, Muslims suffer from a lot of Islamophobia from the um, uh, general population in Europe. So it's like everybody is after another group. And that's what you feel when you're, when, that's what I feel when I'm back in Amsterdam, I can feel that, that's, that's in the air, you, you hear stories from people around you that all have to do with those tensions. So it's always a relief to come back, to come back to the United States where, believe it or not, cultural groups and, and races live together more relaxed than in Europe these days. It is so surprising to see that. You're listening to Kids First Come Attractions, and right now we're talking to Evelyn Marcus, who is the creator of Never Get Us Now. And right now we're just and we're talking about what it was like for Evelyn to go back to Europe after fleeing it because of rising hate and rising anti-Semitism. And Evelyn was talking about how it's almost like the United States is much better now that much better than Europe is now because the United States has much more calmer situations, even though right now everybody thinks the United States is in the worst possible uh, position. Do you agree? I agree. Um, if you look at Germany, for instance, there are 10, um, <clears throat> 10, uh, there are 10 hate crimes against Muslims a day in Germany. Um, I think that's more than what's happening in the United States. Um, from any group to another. I, I definitely agree, and that is just so sad to see. Yeah. Now my, now, my next question is, what do you think people can do? If our viewers want to do something to help stop this situation, what do you think they can do? I think um, it is very important to take the time to look at the facts. Um, I think it's very important that we take notice of um, 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 hate, uh, intercultural hate, or, or hate between religions, or hate between races. Um, but it's important, and it's it's important to be aware of that, and it's important to be aware of the facts. And that becomes more and more difficult these days. There is so much emotion in the media, and there is so much um, uh, groupthink in the in the media. I think it's very important that we all look for the facts. So sometimes you have to go, for instance, to to the FBI website and see how many hate crimes were committed this year against who and by who, and then you have facts. Um, I think that is very important. You know, I definitely agree. I do feel like facts are one of the, it's sad to say, but one of the rarities of the modern world. And we really do need to cherish them and follow them because facts are what's the truth, not anything that is biased or anything else. I definitely agree with that. Now, I have another question related to the film. So in one of the scenes, you talked to Frank Towers. He was a World War II veteran who actually freed your mother during the Holocaust, what was that like to meet him and talk to him? That was one of the most moving moments in my life, Jerry. Um, to to meet a 98 years old veteran uh, of the 9th American Army um, who had opened the door of the train. Uh, where my mother and her family were in being transported from Bergen-Belsen on their way to the gas chambers. The train was stopped by the Americans and opened by this veteran um, himself. So he saw the situation my mother was in. 
um, right at the end of um, World War II. Um, and I have not seen what my <clears throat> mother has seen, but he has seen what my mother has seen. And we thank our lives to him and his fellow soldiers who risked their lives um, to liberate um, a train with 2,500 Jews from the Nazis. So to meet him and to say thank you uh, in person to him was unbelievable, unbelievably moving. And um, you, all, you can also see in, in, in the film how emotional I am uh, at that moment. And speaking of the film, if you'd like to check out the film, it is now on Blaze TV, so definitely check it out. And also you can find more information about it at neveragainisnowfilm.com. So exactly what do you think, in your opinion, would you like people to get out of this film? Would you like them to get out a message or just have more information about the subject? What do you want people to get out of the film? I would love people to get out of the film that they are um, keep themselves informed um, about anti-Semitism and other racism and try to do something within their strength, um, you know, something within their possibilities um, to do something against it. It would make such a difference if we all would do something against current rising anti-Semitism or anything that is related to it. If all of us would do something that we're good at or something that we have, you know, use some opportunity that we have in our personal life to stand up against anti-Semitism or to something that is related to it. If we all would make that statement of action, if it's just one action even, that would be such a strong um, counter against anti-Semitism. I definitely agree. That was perfectly said. Thank you so much for talking to me about your film, Never Again Is Now. Like I just said, if you'd like to check out the film, you can check it out on Blaze TV. And for more information about the film, go to neveragainisnowfilm.com. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And this week's show is sponsored by Flugel's Destination Planet Earth. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hello and welcome back to the program kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper blakesley and we just got done talking to the inspiring story of never again is now by evelyn marcus and right now we're going to continue the show talking about beauty and the beast the kids choice awards and this and before i fall right now i'm here with I and Jerry, my is 12 years old from Georgia, and Jerry is 14 years old from California, talking about Beauty and the Beast, a highly anticipated film. So let's get right into it. Uh, Kamai, tell us a little bit about what you liked about this film, and did you feel like it lived up to the anticipation from the original film? 
Um, well, yeah, I, I think it did definitely did live up to the anticipations of the original film. It was really good, and from uh, other reviews I've seen on YouTube, everybody has liked it. That's fantastic. So, and Jerry, tell us a bit about the cast in this film, because the cast is star-studded. Oh, the cast is just absolutely wonderful. I have to say that even though Emma Watson was probably the main star people will think about from this film, she wasn't my exactly favorite actress. I really more like Luke Evans and Josh Gad, who played Gaston and LeFou. Those pair were just absolutely perfect. They were paired wonderfully. They really did uh, justice to the 1991 version and those characters. And they were just hilarious together. Disney did an outstanding job with both of them. But everybody else did wonderful for Emma Watson. I just feel like she her portrayance, her portrayal of Aunt Belle was more like almost a side character than a main character. Because in the 1991 version, you can clearly see that Belle and the Beast, they're the two main characters. Everybody else is just supporting characters for them, and it is their show. So this film focuses more on the Beast, then? No, it doesn't. It, the story is the same. It just feels like Belle, Belle felt more weaker, a little more in the background, because in the 1991 version, she is very out there. So did you feel like that hurt the film because that Belle was portrayed as a weaker character? I do think that hurt the film. Just in mind, I'm thinking of the film as a remake. If you think of the film as a more of an inspiration, because there are a lot of other things they changed, then it doesn't really hurt the film. But in general, I still think that Belle should be more of a stronger character, more of an outgoing character, even though in this film she felt way more played back. Kamai, what do you think about that? Did you Do you agree with that? Um, yeah. I really, I agree with him, and also, I've seen some other movies and films that Emma Watson is in, and this one, I think she could have done a little bit better um, to play her character. She was kind of still, and then uh, show her true acting skills. That's interesting, because I, from what I've seen, I haven't seen the full film yet, that... She just, I would I would have to say that she doesn't strike me as Belle when I first saw her, but I feel like in the past role she's played, it looked like a good fit, but it sounds like they kind of made her more subtle, if that makes any sense. But maybe that could be a direction style as well. But uh, let's get into the music, since this is, comes from one of the best Disney musicals of all time. How do you feel like this film reinterpreted the music in, oh, sorry, not reinterpreted Executed music differently, and um, what did you think of it? Come on. The music was great, and they even added some new songs to it. Um, there were some other ones, like On the Hills and stuff like that, and mm. the setting was good, to, and the setting matched the songs, which made it even better and seemed more realistic. Interesting. And, Jay, I think what made the original movie so beautiful was of course the animation how did this film portray its visuals because it looks visually spectacular oh it is visually spectacular i think the strongest points of the film were is not the acting or the story or anything like that it was the cinematography and the special effects the beast of course was the main guy in the special effects and he just looks so stunning he looks so much like the 1991 version it looks so realistic from everything when Belle and him are dancing to when he's just standing on a balcony looking into the distance, everything about him was just beautiful and spectacular. When he needed to look handsome, he looked handsome. When he needed to look like a big, angry, ferocious beast, he looked like that. And another part I loved about the special effects was the castle and just the scenery. So detailed, so beautiful. They put so much detail into it. And the uh, servants and all that they were spectacular. I love how they animated the mouse. The cinematography cooperated so well without aerial shots and twisting shots that were not possible in the 1991 version, but are now, and they were just perfect for the story. Now, how much of it is CGI? Because I love the ability when they create... I, I miss when films just create the sets and don't rely just on CGI. So how much was it CGI and how much was it production? Uh, in my opinion, I would have to go look, but I know that a lot of the village scenes, when Belle is still in the village, not in the castle yet, that was more sense. But when they start getting to the giant, beautiful castle, 
they started using a little more CGI, which I think is rather reasonable to, because now we have the point where CGI looks real. So I don't really mind that. And what I really like is they clearly use some sort of stunt double or something for the beast because just the way that Bell interacts with the beast is so realistic, so perfectly. If you didn't know CGI existed, you would say they got found a real beast and just put him in the film. Interesting. That's very interesting. You listen to Kids vs. Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Google's Destination Planet Earth. We're going to continue our conversation with Kamai and Jerry about Beauty and the Beast. So, Kamai, Jerry was just talking about the cinematography and how a lot of it, a lot of the CGI looks absolutely spectacular. It looks real. So, what did you think about the visuals in this film? Um, I actually agree with what he said too, and. You can actually tell that the settings, that where she's on the farm and in the village, that she's actually on set. And for most of the movie, for the most part, it's mostly CGI and green screens. So m- most of this movie, like 99% of it, is CGI's. And, yeah. Interesting. So I, I probably asked Jerry this question. I'm going to ask you, Kamai. What do you think about Disney taking their original stories and... I would say reimagining them into a live action film. Do you feel like it's 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 like it's not it's like my my saying I've said this before. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Why are they Why are they taking something that's not broken and trying to fix it? Come on. It's a new way of uh, it's a new way of reinventing the uh, old classic, and I think they do that to make it more attractive so even younger people want to go see it. What do you mean by attractive? Because I I would thought that the original animated I mean you can still show kids the original animated feature. I mean those the everyone on Netflix, especially with streaming, you're able to take old films and watch them. What do you mean by more attractive? Um, because more cartoons nowadays, they're more computer animated and you see lots of other stuff that they didn't have in cartoons back then from the nineteen nineties and that's why they use CGI's in this movie, to, and make a new cla- and make it make it with a classic to make it more attractive. Jay, what are your thoughts on the subject? I'm gonna go with more of the sadder routes, and just probably gonna say they did it because of money. Because a sad thing about life in general is that nostalgia sells, and it, and it sells really, really well. We've seen this with Finding Dory. We've seen this with Cinderella, Jungle Book. It sells really, really well. What I like about it, though, is they didn't just do a lazy remake like some other films that begin with a C and end with the Cinderella. And they actually made a beautiful film that took a lot from the original but brought on its own. That's what I liked about it because it's hard to make to turn uh, animation to a live action. You could do a Jungle Book that and be just literally almost completely animation, not 0.01% live action. Or you can just remake it and reimagine it to be something different. And this is what this film did. And they just did such a spectacular job of it. And they made it so much more different. So when I watched this, I didn't feel like I was watching a port of an animated film. I felt like I was watching a film that took from the original story and added onto it. Reimagined the characters, reimagined the personalities, reimagined the songs, the designs of everything. And that was a much better option. I think that's why this film is so much better and probably the best reboot or remake or whatever you want to call it of all the Disney ones so far. I would kind of disagree with that because, well, I would disagree because Cinderella, I I thoroughly enjoyed Cinderella because what they did is they did reimagine a story, but they added more in-depth characters. Because if you look at the original the original Cinderella, it's a classic, no doubt about it, but it was lacking in some elements. The prince was bland. Cinderella, uh, the stepmother was just an evil bad guy. In the reimagined version, you got to be more depth characters. The prince is more interesting in the new version. Cinderella gets more of a backstory, and the stepmother is a bit more identifiable. However, when we take, uh, well, Cinderella felt like it had some areas where it could have been better, I'm still finding a hard time finding well Beauty and the Beast needed some uh, needed some tweaks because I find Beauty and the Beast a darn near perfect film. Jungle Book is not a darn near perfect film. It is one of the the lesser 
uh, classics, in my opinion, of Disney, of Disney, and for them to reimagine it into that spectacular Visual Wonderland is great. So, sell this to me, Jerry. What makes Beauty and the Beast, besides its visuals and its modern aesthetics, that make it makes it timeless? Do you see this film becoming timeless? Honestly, I do, but not in the way that the old Beauty and the Beast is. You're probably not going to remember most of the recreated songs, but you're going to remember the characters, and you're going to remember some specific songs, like the remake of Gaston was just absolutely spectacular. And I honestly thought that they did a wonderful performance of the characters, because like Cinderella, they brought more information about the characters, they made the Beast slash Prince more in-depth. They pretty much gave every single character more of a backstory, which I absolutely love. They added kind of a whole subplot, which fixed a lot of plot holes. In general, this film fixed dozens of plot holes that Beauty and the Beast had, which I love because I'm picky about that. But in general, just the special effects and Beast himself is just so spectacular. And I think that we will never forget the old Beauty and the Beast, but we'll also remember this film, which is wonderful and it's probably going to win uh, or at least get nominated for its special effects and its music because there's just so much great about it. Fair enough. Well, Kamai, how many stars should we get this film and what is your age range? Uh, five out of five star rating and all ages because this is a great family movie. Well, wonderful. I'm a bit pessimistic, but that's because I'm a purist when it comes to Beauty and the Beast. However, I really am excited to see this film because I need to go check it out. And you can too. Um, please go check out this film. This film is out in theaters uh, March 17th, so check it out now. Thank you so much, Jerry for Kam- and Kamai, for talking about this film. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and this show is sponsored by Lugo's Destination Planet Earth. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry Orris, and you're listening to kids first come attractions we were just talking about the new film beauty and the beast and now we're going to be talking about the kids first choice awards with dariana who's 11 from california how are you doing dariana i'm good how are you i'm doing fantastic thanks for asking So, can you tell us about the event? Who was there? How was it? Can you just tell us about the event? Of course. So, basically, it was so much fun. Um, There were so many people there, like Gwen Stefani, like Maddie Ziegler, and even, like, Mark Cuban and stuff. It was very fun, and, like, the cast of Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn were there, and some some of the people from Game Shakers, too. And some people from Henry Danger, and a bunch of people, and some of the nominees, some Disney kids like Jenna Ortega and Sky Jackson, and even Cameron Boyce were there. And we saw Becky G from the new Power Rangers movie. So there were a lot of people, and it was really fun, and it was super colorful. It sounds like it was a lot of fun. So you talked to Becky G from the new Power Rangers movie. That sounds interesting. Did you get 
Any new information about the Powers Ranger movie you could talk about? No, not really, but I just know that she said that it's going to be very exciting and you can expect a lot expect a lot of super stuff coming from it. Well, from the trailers, it definitely does look amazing. Did you learn anything else interesting from anybody at the carpet? I learned that Lizzie Green's favorite emoji was the black heart. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And I learned that slime feels very cold. And some people say it's very slimy, too. So I learned a lot of cool stuff. You know, I've always wanted to get slimed. I don't know why, but just the idea of getting slimed seems a lot of fun. How yeah. about you? Definitely. All the people are, say that being slimed is an honor and they love to get slimed. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It just sounds like it would be so cool. So did you get to see the Kids' Choice Awards too? Yes, I got to go inside and um, I got to see John Cena get slimed and some other people too. I got to see Kevin Hart get slimed, too. It was very cool. That sounds really awesome. What, what did you think of the show? Did you enjoy it? It was so fun. They had stuff for the audience to do, too. Like, they asked us to take, our phone, take out our phones and put flashlights on to the song. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I love about the Kids' Choice Awards. The audience is always part of the show, which I always thought was a cool thing. So my next my next question is more related to the kind of concept of Kids' Choice Awards. It is the only real show that kids are the people who are voting. Now, do you think that is a good idea to have kids pretty much running the whole show who wins, who loses? Well, for it's called the Kids' Choice Awards for a reason because it's kind of showing more what's, what kids like. And I think it's kind of nice that the kids have their own, like, choices because, like, you know, like, the Oscars and stuff, like, children don't get to vote for who who wins an Oscar or something. So it's kind of like a kid Oscar, you could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And do you think it's a good idea to have more awards that are, for, that are by the people, not just by a committee? Yes, because it involves more people and makes more people want to watch because then maybe they're like oh i voted for that person so then they make them want to watch and see if they won so hmm. speaking of winning do you have a favorite show or movie that won anything or even just got nominated um well the flash got nominated for favorite family tv show and that is one of my favorite shows so i like really like The Flash, and Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn, and Henry Danger are one of my favorite Nickelodeon TV shows, too. Well, it sounds like a lot of cool shows definitely got nominated. Yeah. So, back to the carpet, did you meet anybody really cool that you were really excited about? Well, I was really excited because I got to meet, like, Jojo Siwa, and that was really fun. She's from Dance Moms, and I also got to meet Abby Lee Miller, from Dance Moms too, and she was she was a little scary for me because like I watched the show and she's kind of scary there. So, <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. really it sounds really neat. You're listening, Kids First Cover Attractions, and right now we are talking to Dariana about the Kids Choice Awards. Right now we're just talking about who she met on the red carpet. She met a whole bunch of stars. She met people from uh, Dancing with Moms, and it was just a really fun event. And my next question is. If you could be nominated for any category at the awards, what would you want to be nominated for? Um, hmm. I would want to be nominated for, like, best, best, like, female actress on the TV show, because that would be pretty cool for me. That does sound really cool. And also, do you think that they should create a new award? And if so, what should the award be? If they did create a new award, it would be, I, I feel like it would be more of a, to me, I would like to see an award like a most funny reaction to like being slimed or something. Like all the times a person has been slimed on Nickelodeon and like people vote which one was like the funniest reaction. I think that would be another cool one. Oh yeah, that would be cool. It kind of just be exclusive to the whole sliming concept that the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards is famous for. Yeah, definitely yeah. think that's cool. 
Do you think there's, uh, speaking of awards, do you think there's any part of shows that really don't get enough credit in these types of awards? Well, like, most more adult TV shows don't really get a lot of, um, a lot of votes because children don't really watch them because it's the Kids' Choice Awards, so the kids have to know the show. So, like, I'm sad that The Flash didn't win for the family, family TV show Fuller House won, but I understand why, because more kids watch Fuller House than The Flash because it's more of a children's show than The Flash. So I can see that some shows, like... Like, some shows weren't nominated, like Modern Family wasn't nominated, or Blackish, some of those TV shows that are more for adults that some people really like. But I understand because they're, it's more for kids than for adults. Yeah, that does make sense. And in my opinion, I saw all of Fuller House, I binge-watched it. And I have to say, that is probably one of the greatest shows on Netflix, but yeah. that's, just, that's just my opinion. So you kind of just started talking about how some shows weren't nominated. Was there any movie or show in particular you feel kind of just got put off the chopping board? Well, not really. I mean, sometimes I feel like some shows shouldn't have been nominated or some movies. But, like, that's just my personal opinion. But most of the shows I, I like were there. And I think it was pretty, they had a lot of things that were good for for me and I don't think I would really add anything that much. Now since this is an award show, in your opinion, what do you think right now is the best TV show on TV or online if it's on a streaming service? Um well I really like um the CW shows about like superheroes and uh the Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash and the Arrow. And I also like Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Supergirl, too. I'm kind of like a geek with, I really like comics and stuff. So I like those shows, but I also like like the Thundermans and Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn and Henry Danger, because those shows are really cool, too. Yeah, there is a lot of good shows to watch. You can't really choose a, only one, right? Yeah. So... If, was there any specific category that you feel like it kind of they didn't really choose the right winner? And if so, which one? Well, personally, I think um, most of them were pretty on point. But like I said, I don't. I really like The Flash, but I know why it didn't win for favorite family TV show because of Fuller House. But I feel like some of the other shows should have should have won too so that one was one of one of those that i was okay with and like the um the favorite cartoon i i love spongebob because it won but like there's some other really good ones too so there were there were some that i was kind of so so on really liking them yeah, that's the sad thing about award shows. Although all, a lot of the shows that were nominated are so, so great, only one can be the winner, even if they are all really great. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about the Kids' Choice Awards. Thank you for asking good questions. <laughs> no problem. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Carbon Tractions. This show is sponsored by Blue Goals Destination Planet Earth. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? 
Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keith Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Beauty and the Beast, and we're going to continue talking about films with Kamai about Before I Fall, and also Kong Skull Island. I'm here with Kamai, and we're going to talk about the uh, adapted film, uh, Before I Fall. Now, this is a film that has a story that I think some of us have heard of before. It's about a girl who relives the day over and over again, but... This has a little bit of a twist to it. So, um, come on. Since this film has has a, I would say, formulaic uh, plot, what makes this film different from other movies? Um, well, this what makes this movie different from other movies is that it's it it makes you get attached to the movie, and then in the end, it breaks your heart, and you just get sad, and you're get you get emotional because you get attached in the beginning. But with other movies, you just see it, and after you're fine, okay, you're like, you expect this to happen, because there's lots of foreshadowing in this. But in this movie, there's no foreshadowing, and it was just all random and sudden. Random and sudden. So it leaves you at the end completely and utterly, uh, your heart is destroyed pretty much by the end, right? Right. Well, you say it's very random and sudden. Uh, did that ruin the film for you? And um, expl- elaborate on that. No, actually, surprisingly, that does not ruin the film. It just makes you want them to make a second movie, even though they're not. It was you know they're not gonna make a second movie. It didn't ruin it. It actually made it better because it, it stood out to everybody, and you could see the difference between other movies and this. And it makes you like the director. You want to go and see more of his movies and see if he'll do that again. So. What do you mean by this film is very sudden and random? Explain to me what that means in the sense of the story. Well, you know already that her day is repeating over and over. So each day, once she learns that her uh, day is repeating, it's like a new mystery to be solved. She has to figure out some new things before the day ends to to go to make the thing day go back to normal. So she changes her attitude. She knows what she's missing out on, what her friends are really like, and secrets that are kept from her. And it's just all surprising and shocking as you find out and as the mystery unravels. Ah, so it's a mystery. That's a good twist to it. Because a lot of the films I've seen that has this has done this is either it's a romantic comedy, boy meets girl, boy tries to figure out how to get with a girl, sometimes action with like Edge of Tomorrow, and it's just trying to defeat the aliens. This one is... Trying to solve a mystery, which is, I've never seen that, I don't think I've ever seen that before in this kind of story, so that's interesting. So, tell us about what you found with the performances in this film. Since, again, the main actress does a phenomenal job, I hear, and she has to play pretty much different characters each day. Um, well, I really like that because it shows you uh, the good qualities of a true actor, because she changes her attitude a lot. And a lot, and because the days go by for like months and maybe a year, if it really was a different day each time, but it's not. But yeah, it shows you the true side of an actor and how much they have to go through, and also the other actors have to say the same lines over and over, and have the same exact expression, breathe and sync with last times they recorded, and yeah, it's very hard and challenging. I don't imagine filming that. And I think it's interesting because, especially uh, with acting, I feel like acting is almost like chemistry. You put two different types of uh, chemicals together and you get a reaction. And this film is pretty much giving the same exact salute, but then putting something different in there each time to create a different reaction. And that's what's fun about it. I think that's 
that's interesting because I feel like we can approach the day. I feel like if we had the chance to relive the same day, we would approach it differently and see how it works. And that's what's fun about that. And that's what I think the concept of reliving the same day over and over again is a fascinating concept to put in movies. Now, what would you say is your favorite, is your favorite part about this film? It could be the directing, the acting, the story. Um, my favorite part of the film is actually the story. Um, this would make, this would actually be a great book. And if they had different series and chapters of a book, I'd get all of them because I don't want the story to end, really. I want to keep on going and never stop. I want it to be an endless series. Well, it's technically an endless because she keeps reliving the day over and over again. And it's funny you mention that because if you want it to be a book, it's based off a book. So um, you can go check out the book and read it for yourself. Sounds great. <laughs> okay, then. So uh, is there anything else in this film that shout to you? Like, what about how it was filmed? Because since it's a film that you watch, it's really the same day over and over again. How would you feel like it's filmed to help tell a story? Um, the filming was great, too. They had lots of different angles, so you can see what was going on. And they kept it basic, no, no super high angles or anything like that. And they got good angles for each scene, so you can see what was going on. Like when the car got in the car crash, you they did it from an outside angle, so you could see the car flipping over and falling over and stuff like that. Oh, sounds exciting. Now, how many stars, and what would you say is the age range for this film? Um, Five out of five stars, because it was a great movie. But this movie is for older people because there were some there was some profanity and scenes that weren't kid younger kid appropriate so maybe 11 if you're 11 just go if you're like adult or and if you're 15 you can go alone and with your friends well wonderful well thank you so much come on for talking about before i fall you're welcome this film is out in theaters now so um go check it out it sounds very interesting you listen to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blake C, and this show is sponsored by Flugel's Destination Planet Earth. And right now, we're going to switch over to talking about Kong Skull Island. Take it away, Jerry. Thank you very much. And we're going to be talking to Keeper about Kong Skull Island. So, Keeper, what did you think about this film? We're going to talk about moi. Well, to be honest, I was... This is the same people who created Godzilla. And I didn't particularly like Godzilla. I think... I think the parts that had Godzilla were really cool, which was like 20 minutes of the film. But I feel like the filmmakers learned from the mistake because unlike Godzilla, 10 minutes into the film and you get Kong. And it's non-stop action from there. And it's just a fun film. I was thoroughly entertained. Well, it sounds like it's a fun film, but this is the eighth or ninth King Kong film. So do you think that the concept of King Kong is getting a little older? Do you think that people can still keep producing these films about this giant ape and it'll still be fantastic? What were we talking about uh, earlier on in the show? We were talking about how filmmakers want money. Um, <laughs> yes, I it really, seems to be a theme. It seems to be a theme, and that's sad, but... It's kind of true. The thing is, though, this is what Hollywood's doing right now. They're trying to recreate the monster movies. Um, they did. They tried to do that with uh, with Dracula and Frankenstein. That didn't go successful. That wasn't very successful. And Marvel did it successfully by creating their universe. DC is struggling to try to create their universe. Now what they're trying to do is trying to relive Godzilla and and King Kong. Which I after this film. I gotta admit, it's a guilty pleasure because I am very excited for this now because I want to see King Kong and Godzilla fight and that's what this whole thing is leading up to. We have Godzilla, King Kong, there's going to be another Godzilla movie and then there's going to be Godzilla versus King Kong and quite frankly, I'm excited. Uh, this film was... If, if, if the Godzilla versus King Kong movie is anything like this film, I feel like we're going to get something pretty fun. Yeah, and that's set to release in 2020 at this point, so that's yeah. something to look forward to. Now, my next question is related to the acting, because we have quite a cast. We have Tom Hiddleston playing James Conrad. We have Samuel L. Jackson playing Preston Packard. We have John Goodman playing Bill Ronda. We've got John C. Riley playing Hank 
Marlo, and a whole bunch of other people. So what did you think about the acting? You got this whole star-studded cast, and what do they do with them? Pretty much nothing. Oh God. This, this whole film is not about the actors, and the filmmakers know that. The filmmakers know that we're not here to see Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson talk about the past, even though they're very, they're very capable actors. We're there to see Kong fight giant monsters. And does it deliver? It delivers. Not to say that the human characters aren't interesting. In fact, I think one of the most the most fulfilling part of this whole film is John C. Riley's character, who plays this. World War II veteran who's stuck on the island. He, to me, is the highlight of this film because he's so genuine. He's so kind. And by the end, you just want to root for him. And the good thing is, the movie makes me empathize with John C. Riley's character. So that's a good thing with the writing because I love him. I love John C. Riley, and he's just so fun in this film. Tom Anderson is not bland, but he's not that particularly interesting. So is Brie Larson, although... She kicks butt in this film, and I'm, I love Brie Larson so much because she is such a strong character in this film. Samuel Jackson plays Samuel Jackson, and he, he eats up every single moment on screen. I love him for that because he's just the okay for actors, and, but the filmmakers know what you come to see. And you come to see some very, at times, violent, surprisingly very violent scenes of action, but it's glorious. So what, in your opinion, would be the age range and star rating for this film, then? Uh, I would say the age range is, it would be a high 12 uh, through 18, because there was some very surprisingly graphic scenes at some points. Nothing too bloody, don't worry, parents. But it, it's, it's surprising, it's, it, it can be pretty pretty brutal. And I would I would genuinely give this four out of five stars. There was some, some of the character, side characters are, are pretty weak, but I, it's really enjoyable. And I got to mention one thing. I saw this, and it was like a kid sitting next to me when I saw this. And he was having a blast. The whole audience was having so much fun. That's why I love going and seeing movies in the theater, because seeing the reaction, seeing everybody in there was just hilarious, because we all enjoyed it. Also, there was an after-credits scene, so stay after the credits. You're going to see something pretty fun. Oh, the infamous after-credits scene. Well, yeah. I'm definitely excited to see what that is, Keeper. Well, thank you so much, Kiefer, for talking to us about the new Kong Skull Island movie. If the viewers would like to check out this action-packed film, it is now in theaters near you, so definitely check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases. And to learn how you can become a Kids First film critic, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of the Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the West American Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Flugel's Destination Planet Earth. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring.